welcome to the study podcast. We are here to encourage and to equip the church that people would fall in love with Jesus and better serve him today. Well, welcome all. It's It's been a while, hasn't it? You know, we uh, haven't done one of these since June and it is uh, the end of October. Uh, I, I don't know when I'll release this. I kind of wanted to listen to it because I'm I'm going to record in my car and uh, just see see what can be heard of the road and everything. I'm driving in for a meeting, but I you know, really just had some, I guess, ponderings and thoughts in my heart about uh, every everything. You know, back in back in June, you know, the the world and you know America were definitely reeling from from different things and even lately we've had more um, more unrest um, more lawlessness on our streets and you know coming this Tuesday is a general election and um, you know, we'll see uh, where America decides to go and we'll we'll see I have heard one uh, commentator that I've really enjoyed um, getting to know his story and everything. Uh, he's really talked about the two reality tunnels that are fighting for America right now. And, you know, you can really see that in the candidates before us, right? <laughs> you know, and not to talk politics, especially on a church podcast, but at the same time, we need to you know, be informed. Um, we need to be informed by what the Bible says and, and what, you know, what is reality. And, um, you know, I definitely, if you have different questions about, you know, issues, I totally suggest PragerU on uh, YouTube. They actually have an app for smartphones now uh, because so many of their videos have been censored uh, from social media. You can actually go and watch all of their videos on the PragerU app, um, so I, I totally suggest that because it it really clarifies uh, a lot of things of, of what what's what's each side, you know, what is what is being said and everything. So um, we, you know, I <laughs> I guess you know now that we're in it, you know, why not talk about it a little bit. As you know, the last thing you know you ever want to talk about is faith and politics. Um, but at the same time, that's what I that's you know, as a pastor, we we need to uh, deal with those issues, and we need to deal with those issues in the fact of what is reality and and what is you know, what is the truth. You know, what will help this world and what won't. And um, you know, I through my entire life, I have really been a conservative person. I grew up in Northern Wyoming. I have definitely not always voted on the party line. I've really enjoyed. I'm trying to remember his name, um, but he was a Democratic governor of Wyoming for two terms, and uh, we uh, Wyomingites, <laughs> or whatever you want to call us. I really enjoyed him, um, and he he was a really good, uh, solid, but you know he wasn't a leftist. Uh, that and that's that's the problem with the the Democratic Party as a whole. If you want to hear my spiel of it really quickly, is that the Democratic Party itself has begun 
really being usurped by the socialistic uh, progressive agenda. And, uh, you know, you could see the trail lines for that being found a long time ago of, of just a general acceptance of, of different things. And, um, you know, and seeing it in its general acceptance of disorder and lawlessness uh, goes around with the party lines that that's, that's okay, that there is no um, uh, arbiter of truth that tells us right from wrong. Uh, so why, why should the government be the one to tell you as well, whereas, you know, uh, even back in the day before I was saved, um, I really saw that there were authoritative structures for a reason, that hard work and family, uh, you know, faith didn't really play a part in our family lives, but really coming to see that, you know, Christ Jesus is the true only Messiah, you know, I, I came to faith at the age of 19, and, you know, that was, well, I guess, 16 years ago now. Um, man, I'm getting old. <laughs> and, uh, you know, started that process. And, you know, the, the story goes on. I, I believe I've shared more of my story in earlier podcasts. But, you know, it, it really came to the culmination of you know, serving in ministry, going to Bible college, going to more Bible college, serving in ministry. And, you know, um, definitely had some off years here and there, um, but now have uh, for about a year and a half now been out here in the Eastern Plains. And, you know, it's, you know, looking at America, you know, and, and kind of just, you know, preparing for this Sunday and preparing to, you know, as the Bible says, to pray for all peoples, to pray for our leaders, to pray, you know, I, I, the huge reality of it is that people in leadership would come to faith. You know, people in leadership would come to know Christ. And, um, you know, those things are are needed in our nation and are needed in our, in our lives. Um, because, you know, without Christ, without the arbiter of truth, you know, uh, one that, you know, his character... You know, that, that's the thing about it is like, oh, who's who's God to save? You know, it's interesting about that is that God does not just flip a coin and say, okay, you know, Archangel Michael, you know, is, is lying going to be bad or is it going to be good? And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't flip a coin, he, he you know, because of his character. God does not lie. You know, God is in, you know, perpetual light. Uh, there is no darkness, no, no shifting shadow or variation in him and, and therefore he calls his people to be holy and you know the old testament and the mosaic law show us that you know we are unable to be holy we are unable to approach a god that is so holy and you know the book of hebrews shows us that you know once and for all jesus jesus's sacrifice upon the cross and and then he sat down at the right hand of majesty, you know, it is finished are the three words that change all of humanity's history, you know, because it is the fact that Jesus, our substitute, you know, the debt is paid in full. He died for all of humanity's sins. You know, and, and kind of thinking and, and praying about, you know, all, and I've, I've preached some sermons on this, and, um, you know, if you want to Google Liberty Plains, 
uh, Baptist Church's podcast, I have preached a three-part sermon series on the upside-down world, um, really dealing with critical race theory, uh, dealing with other parts of, of the those theories, but it's, it's really this whole... Um, and, and studying it more and more, and I, I just saw that Mike Winger had a, a whole live stream event. I wish I would have caught it all, but I was going to hopefully watch it here soon about uh, the woke church, about um, the woke issues, about critical race theory. And uh, it is interesting that, you know, and I, I've thought about this, you know, growing up as a millennial, I, I read once in a book by Thomas Rainier and his son, I cannot remember his son's name, called Millennials. And it was talking about how millennials didn't really, it's not that we didn't see race and we don't see race. Um, it's that we aren't, um, I don't know. I, you know, we aren't judgmental on people because of those things. And, and now to see this whole era rise up of like, no, you, you, you know, you as a white person cannot speak into people's lives. You cannot have empathy, you know, all these other things. And I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, the, the Bible talks about not showing partiality. And, uh, this is definitely, as I heard on part of their, um, the, the, the YouTube channel from Mike Winger, um, I think it is wokeness biblical, I think, was the uh, the question that he was wrestling with. And uh, Mike's a really good uh, Bible teacher. I totally suggest him on different issues from, from Calvinism to, um, you know, the Passion Translation to different other things. He's a pastor out in California that leads a, a really good good study online and, and probably a really good study in person, too, out there. <laughs> but, you know, I... Um, uh, do suggest that, but g- going back to what critical race theory is and what in itself is critical theory, and the one thing that I really have come to see is that critical theory has has actually been around for a while. Um, you know, we we dealt with these guys back in the emergent church era. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people might not know what the emergent church is, but the emergent church was this movement that started. Um, back in the early thousands, two thousands, and uh, it probably started earlier than that. Uh, but I'm just going off my, because um, I was a Driscollite, if you want to call me something from that era. I listened to Mark Driscoll um, uh, quite quite rigorously, quite religiously. I I would listen to his weekly sermons. I would listen to you know, Mars Hill's uh, teaching series. I I would be on their website. And of course, when I got a smartphone, I'd be on their app all the time. And, you know, great biblical teaching. Um, But what Driscoll came from was kind of a conservative uh, lashing of the of the emergent church. So so thankfully, um, but it it really had a lot of do with this term deconstructionism. We we hear it more often now, um, you know, with uh, Joshua Harris and other people uh, deconstructing their faith. And um, saying, you know, I'm no longer a Christian. I don't believe in God, and and now I, I go over here. And what we're seeing there is actually part of critical race theory, 
it's this deconstructionism of looking for these micro fractures and we see it in american society now that if a man no you know no intention on on color but if a man or a woman pick up a knife pick up a gun and shoot or stab at an officer of the law and that officer returns uh deadly fire and kills that person uh that they will be uh they will be uh the the officer him, himself or herself will be investigated thoroughly and you know i i can't say i i understand this situation at all because you know a person's life has been taken and everything but as a bus driver back in the day when a person was hurt when a person fell down on the ADA rides i i uh, was a bus driver for the ADA service for about three, three and a half years. And, you know, when those things happened, um, the main um, entity that we served under would come and they'd pull the tapes and they'd watch everything and they'd have our supervisors watch everything. And heck, sometimes they'd even bring us in and just question us up the wazoo and, and see, you know, what is you know, what is up, you know, and, and, you know, there's all these legal ramifications, there's all these different things that even in that, even without, you know, a gun and a badge, you know, that there are things that companies worry about, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, police officers being held accountable, you know, police officers, judges, you know, every, every person should not be above the law. And, you know, isn't that the ramification of, of all of this critical race theory stuff is saying, well, aren't they above the law? Aren't, aren't they? You know, it's like, no, like there's special tribunals. There's, you know, all this different stuff. There's this system that, yes, you know, why is the system broken? You know, why are churches not 100% on fire? Well, because they're full of broken sinners, you know? And it's not, you know, saying that critical race theory is not the way to go is not saying that there's not prejudice, there's not, there's not oppression, but I'm also saying that the micro fractures that we are causing to fracture even more will, as some atheists and other thinkers that are not part of the Christian circles are saying, it will destroy Western civilization. I think the biggest thing for our political correctness fields and our cancel culture is that there will no longer be a dialogue between people. And once you lose dialogue between any, any kind of people, you will lose the ability to understand each other because they, and that's, that's the thing about this whole, well, you know, as any color of skin, you cannot understand another person's pain. You know, and, and yet I, I look at this in a biblical thing and it says, well, bear one another's burdens. That doesn't stop at, at a skin color. That doesn't stop at a different kind of culture. You know, I, I, I love the old adage of, you know, if you can't find anything similar to each other, you know, start with, you know, having that person know Jesus and, and then get to know them, 
you know, and it's like, I, I feel like sometimes we've twisted it around that, you know, we, we can't speak into other people's lives. We get like, not at all anymore. We have become so individualistic, so autonomous, so all of those things that, that the church itself is, is suffering under that because we have just come to the end of ourselves. We have come to this, well, yeah, I'll just do whatever because it's not going to harm anybody. And it's like, you know, we are the body. You know, if, a, if another portion of the body is hurt, then we all hurt with it, right? And, you know, talking about this in a Christian context is that if we allow these thought processes to go unchallenged, and, you know, I, I just want to put out the warning here, especially for anybody that, that passes through and, and says, oh, what is this podcast? You know, I <laughs> it's the rambling rambles of a pastor in eastern Colorado, and I <laughs> wanted to really, you know, take this time to talk about, you know, different things on my heart and mind, and, you know, yeah. You know, there's some great ministries out there that I and myself have just, you know, yeah, we were going through the New City Catechism. You know, I was on to almost question 20, and I was really enjoying it. And then all of this stuff came out, and it just came crystal clear to me that the New City Catechism, that the Gospel Coalition, that... You know, all these thinkers and pastors and writers really started, and even before then, you know, support the neo-Marxist agenda, support BLM, support lawlessness. And I'm like, as a Christian, we can't support these things. And the, the red herring for me, even if you don't hear my argument here, you can go check out my pod. Uh, well, yeah, Liberty Plains Baptist Church's podcast with our sermon series, the, the Upside Down World, is the red herring that I point out is if BLM really thought that lives mattered, then why would they partner with Planned Parenthood? Where that is where most African Americans die. It's not in the back of a police car. It is in the abortion clinics, you know, and, and it's just the sad reality that, you know, we, we need to understand that that's the truth, you know, you know, life matters womb to tomb, and the neo-Marxist, the Marxist, the naturalist, the materialist have no reason to use guilt other than for their own advantage, to turn society away from itself and say, this is what life is about, the collective, the social justice, which means making everyone equal. You know, it's, it's actually not equal. You know, it's equity. It's the fact of that no matter what you do, whether you sit on your butt and do nothing all day long, that you'll get the same money that the person that works long and hard hours, that you'll 
get the same due out of life, and it is a man-made utopia that will never work, because unlike the Marxist position, or a lot of other worldviews out there that says, well, the problem is out there, the problem is the rich, the problem is those that don't submit to Allah, the problem is the that you don't realize you're God, you know, these are, you know, Islam, secular humanism, Marxism, and, um, oh, what else did I say? New age, uh, new age spirituality, um, not knowing that you're God, you know, where it's the Christian says, no, what you don't understand is that you are a broken sinner. And because of sin, the world is fractured. And the only way of reconciliation, the only way of getting back to where we were is through the blood of Jesus and through the either the acceptance or rejection of the free gift of God to man through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is that is what uh, Colossians uh, 1.20 um, you know, says that God, you know, through him, through Christ, is reconciling the world back to himself by his blood of the cross. You know, that is it. That is the hope of humanity um, here and now and forevermore until Christ returns. You know, uh, oh, that, is, uh, that is the hope. You know, and uh, I just kind of wanted to change subject. And if you have questions there and everything, you know, um, I totally suggest my sermon series. Uh, Alicia Childers, um, hopefully I say in her name right, has a great podcast on, and I yeah maybe I can even put some of these um, uh, to put your own podcast in your own. Um, and your own uh, suggested uh, links are is kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I believe on uh, yeah the uncertain times from June. So my last podcast has this in it, uh, the link for Alicia Childers uh, on the on the woke church, and uh, she can't remember her friend's name on there. Um, but you know, is there need for racial healing? I can't think of an age that there isn't, you know, from Jews to Gentiles, you know, talking about the breaking down of the barrier wall, you know, from the part of people believing that America is done with immigration and will not accept immigration. I don't, I don't agree with that. I agree with the fact that it needs to be done rightly and that there is nothing wrong with any country, whether it's America, Mexico, Canada, uh, Argentina, Romania, uh, Germany, Russia, China itself, you know, stopping illegal immigration is not a crime. You know, globalization itself is a crime because it is literally a form of Marxism that will bring us under this commune rule. Uh, the only problem with communism is that there is no benevolent benefactor. Uh, you can look at Venezuela right now. PragerU has a really good video on Venezuela um, that I totally suggest. It just came out a few weeks ago. 
and um, you know all those elites they're not living in squalor with the people they are living like kings they go on European vacations they sit in their mansions they eat at fancy restaurants while the rest of the people sit in food lines eating whatever is left to them you know, and, and yet we live in an age where most millennials and, yes, even a larger percent, or percent of Gen Zers believe that communism and socialism is the way to go. I would encourage you strongly as a, as a pastor, as a person that loves history, that if you are, you know, well, geez, I came on to hear the pastoring's ramblings. You know, well, definitely I'm rambling today, right? <laughs> but... I totally suggest for you to read 20th century European history. See who the National Socialists were. Yeah, they killed probably 17 million people through the 1920s to the 19, well, 1930s to the 1940s. I mean, that's not that long of history. You know, we know about the Holocaust, we know about 6 million, but we forget to factor in World War II. We get to f forget to factor in how many other you know, people were killed. You know, but if you look at Stalin and Mao and others, it's a hundred, it's a hundred million people. And some estimates are even, estimations, <laughs> sorry, even put it, higher. You know, that's the problem with the communist version, is that it is no longer taught. The, the facts of what has happened in history are no longer seen. And I, I strongly do, I mean, this is just a, a theory, but they went in. They came into America because they, they, they left the, the unsafe rule parts of Europe that were getting massacred by the theories that were already there, and they came over and supplanted our theories with theirs, and took over those schools of thought. And now those schools of thought no longer exposit truth, but they exposit critical race theory, they exposit socialism and communism, and it's just sad. And that's, I think, why we see a lot of our the reality war going on it's 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 you know in america we call them cultural wars cultural civil wars uh call it election year <laughs> you know um, you know where where things heat up but i i feel like at the same time we have really opened a can of worms as a nation that i don't know how it's going to go back um, one pastor I heard it said, you know, this is polarizing people. And I, I really feel like even, you know, looking at it from just my perspective is that 2016 itself polarized people. And 2020 has ripped us apart even more with how do we struggle. And uh, Mike Winger said it best that uh, the light in the fog is scripture. Um, so read scripture, study scripture, answer the questions with scripture. Uh, I totally suggest uh, the statement on social justice and the gospel. 
Uh, that's actually the website's name. If I remember, I'll put it on here too. But what is really interesting and what I kind of wanted to talk about before I get to my meeting is, is seasons of ministry. You know, I, as a Bible college student, you know, I, I would say you're, you're mostly shielded. You know, you, you might, you know, see some different things, especially if you, you know, minister in a town and, you know, minister to, to some hardened kids. And, and I, and I definitely, you know, had seen parts of that where, you know, seeing how the gospel affected kids that were just down and out and, you know, really could not find a purpose in life. And then, you know, they found Jesus and they, they found, you know, there was a light in their eyes and, and other things. And, you know, I'll, I'll always remember Jack. Uh, he, is one of those kids that, you know, this proves to me the power of the gospel, the power of just speaking truth into people's lives. And, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, by your school, by, you know, you know, other believers that are, you know, maybe stronger in your walk, in their walk than you, uh, we're, we're guarded, you know, we're all together in that bubble, <laughs> in that bubble of Bible college, um, that everyone gets married in, um, <laughs> not everyone, um, but a lot of people do. And, um, you know, then you come out into the world and you're in an internship and, you know, you, you intern and, you know, you're, you're, you're really shielded from some other things too, you know, not, you know, and I can, you know, list, list off some things in my internship that happened that I was like, dang, you know, whoa, like this is how people act out here. Um, you know, and, and growing up as a non-believer, you know, knowing some of that and, you know, but seeing the other side of it of like, whoa, this is how sheep, this is how the sheep of the Lord act kind of stuff kind of, kind of throws you for a bit. Right. Um, especially when you're leading, it is different, you know, and, and there's different complaints and different things going on and, and always a question to be answered or something. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, by the time I became an assistant pastor, I really did see the seasons of ministry, you know, and, and you know, but you, you may not feel the ramifications of it all because, you know, as an assistant pastor, I, you know, I worked a full-time job. You know, I, we were starting a family. You know, I, I led Bible studies and I preached every once in a while. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, knew some different going-ons in the church and knew different things that were happening and, you know, definitely had some heartfelt things when, when people left. But, you know, now, you know, being a senior pastor, you know, you and, and maybe, you know, whoever's listening, um, you might be in one of those categories that, you know, whether you're interning, whether you're an associate, whether you're looking for a church and, you know, it's really, you know, I, I had, thought and prayed about talking about the seasons of ministry for a little while because it is just interesting to me of how um like a roller coaster you know i'm not big on (laughs) on theme park rides at all but like a roller coaster you know and and life is like that too you know especially with kids and and everything there's always you know something coming up and you know someone's hurt and someone needs to be talked to about something but 
you know, in the, the life of ministry can be so up and down in itself. And, you know, I, I wanted to just encourage people, what, what is your, what is your guidepost? What is, what is the thing that you're seeking to put forward in ministry? You know, and, and, you know, the verse, I tried to find it this morning. I know it's in one of the Corinthians. <laughs> and, <clears throat> you know, it says that, you know, a servant is to be found faithful. You know, when I think of, you know, the parable of the talents, you know, and, and this servant's given this many and he invests them and this servant's given this many and he invests them and this servant is given few and he buries them. And, you know, it's like we have all got gifts, right? We all have something that is given to us by the Lord. And you know, I remember being, you know, strongly convicted in in Bible college that, you know, being humble is not, you know, oh, what's the, what's the term? But, you know, being humble isn't just about being, you know, not about yourself. Being humble is, is knowing pretty much where you are, not thinking too, too highly of yourself and not thinking too lowly of yourself. And, and also, you know, a part of that is that it is prideful to actually say, you know, well, just, I'll just be right here. I won't use my gifts, you know, and, and that that is misconstrued as humility that I, I will just sit in this corner and listen or, or whatever. And, and that was, that was a huge breaking point for me because, you know, I am uh, no good in front of people, you know, speaking, preaching, teaching, all these things, you know, I, I struggle immensely, um, with my nerves and everything. And that, that really came to the point of like, Oh man, you know, like I cannot just sit here and not use my gifts. And, and, you know, I, I loved you know, studying the word and I, you know, I still do of course, <laughs> but, you know, and, and, you know, I, I really got into, you know, leading Bible studies and, and, and leading studies and, you know, and, you know, preaching, you know, as much as I could, but, you know, when you're working, you know, it's hard, but, you know, seeing where the Lord has brought me in that and just, you know, hey, you know, yeah, you, you might be nervous, but you know, other people are up here too. Other people are nervous up here and, you know, just where we're at is, is so good, you know, and, and showing other people that too that it is okay to be nervous, you know, it is okay to, um, to be nervous and to serve the Lord, I guess, is the, the thing I was going for, but, you know, kind of going back to the, the seasons of ministry thing is that, you know, there, there are going to be events in your life that are going to be so mountainous and so, you know, so mountaintop experience of, of just amazingness, you know, and, and then there's going to be, you know, other times that, you know, you're going to be down in the dumps wondering, you know, okay, Lord, what's next? <laughs> like, bring it on. Yeah, you know, like, like, oh, no, like, prepare for the next battle. Put on the full armor. 
you know, and I think, you know, through that is, is, you know, what is, what is your standard of, of why am I here? You know, I, I think a pastor can be very, well, I'm here to do everything. And I've, I've heard it said lately, you know, no, we need to do things well. You know, we need to do, you know, a church. You know, yeah, if you have you know, 5,000 people, you can probably have 50 ministries. But if you have 20 people, you know, how many ministries are you supposed to have? You know, it's like every church is different, you know, just like every child and every marriage is different. But we can all learn from each other. You know, there are a great slew of books about, you know, how to do ministry. And, you know, I, you know, Warren Wiersbe's on being a servant of God is, is really one that I kind of harken back to and have been thinking about rereading lately. I haven't read it since my senior year of Bible college. But, you know, that's, that's the thing is, you know, are we, you know, to be numerous in our church, you know, our number is the only thing that matter, you know, and the different questions like that. And, you know, I would definitely say, well, yeah, numbers matter because that's people getting to know Jesus as people growing, but it isn't the end, you know, it isn't the, by whatever means, um, you know, but whatever ends justify the means. It's like, no, our means are preaching truth, preaching the gospel, preaching the word, rightly dividing it, and, you know, letting the chips fall, right? You know, we can only be ourselves. And um, really coming to that is is a great thing to know, you know, and and uh, coming... Uh, Coming to ministry and trying to be someone else is, you know, you're, you're trying to do something wrong. You know, if, if I tried to be the Mark Driscoll or the Billy Graham or the, I'm trying to think of somebody else, uh, but, you know, the up and up, the up and up pastor of whatever era. And, you know, you try and be that instead of yourself you'll find it not working. And, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to change into someone else? It's like, no, there, you know, yeah, there's conviction. There's things to work on. But at the same time, trying to not be yourself is, uh, would be the worst thing you could do for you, you and your people. And, and not to say that there's not growth, you know, not to say that if you are a technical pastor and you preach in big words, I would hope and pray that, that you would define those words. If, if you preach more topical or, you know, and, and in more talks that you would rise the bar and do study and pray and think about being led into an exegetical work of going through books and, you know, preaching in season and out of season and rebuking and reproof and, you know, correction and teaching, you know, the training of righteousness. This is, this is what the church is about, you know, what we should be about, because if we lose that, 
then what are we? If we lose what our heart is, you know, to take the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, to preach the apostles' teaching, to love one another in fellowship, to partake of bread together, to gather constantly, then who are we if we don't do those things? And that's the that's the question I'm going to leave you with. So, uh, thanks for joining me on this podcast. I hope and pray you guys have a good day. May the Lord bless you and encourage you in your ministry.